dangerously close. This episode was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. And guys, I've got to tell you, today I let FEMA inject a Bill Gates microchip into my arm. So I guess I'm a sheeple now, and it's only a matter of time before Tom Hanks tracks me down from my adrenal gland. But on a positive note, William Mitchell Audio brings excellence and professionalism to every single audio project. So go to williammitchellaudio.com. My guest today is Alex Liu. Writer, director, Alex Liu's work explores taboo topics like sex and drugs in order to broaden our understanding of science, morality, and how to negotiate a meaningful life. He's developed two YouTube channels focused on sex and drug education, totaling over 5 million views. After studying molecular toxicology at UC Berkeley and science, health, and environmental reporting at New York University, he produced video, radio, and print content for Nova, Science Now, CNN Health, and San Francisco NPR station KQED. That's honestly, that's not the worst I've ever done reading a bio. <laughs> that's pretty good. That was good. That was a mouthful. So I appreciate you getting all of it out. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Alex? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm, I'm fantastic. I'm so glad to have you on, man. And I, I, what I did not say in the bio, which is, uh, it's like an extended part of your bio, but it just didn't quite work. Uh, mm-hmm. I was reading this off the initial promo that I made for you and that we're here to talk about your new film, A Sexplanation. So, yes, A Sexplanation. We will we will get into that, but okay, great. It, it deserved to be in the bio, but it just didn't make it, and that's fine. And like I said, I know we're here to talk about uh, mostly you as a journalist and mm-hmm. a filmmaker, but I have to ask, uh, what does a molecular toxicologist do? I know that was your so. Um, like I was saying, you know, I think. So I'm gay. So coming out of the closet, uh, I did every drug possible to not feel anything. And that got me just so interested in how one chemical could totally blow your mind apart. Um, and realizing that I had no idea what was going on, you know, like, and when I looked for research, it was really hard to find at the time. So um, slowly, you know, I've always been drawn to bio- the biological sciences, biology, because it helped me explain things that were going on with my personal life, being gay, you know, you know, drug use that I couldn't find elsewhere. And so Basically, it's just the study of how the physical world interacts with biological systems. So the, the, the main tenant is that everything is a poison as long as you get enough of it. So milk, water, you know, tons of people die every year of very common things that we need to survive, but they just take too much of it. Yeah. All right. So molecular toxicology is way cooler than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, I did my senior thesis on all the designer drugs that, that are out there and how you can actually use uh, different computational techniques to, to, to develop more if you wanted to. That, that, that was what I was that is, that is fascinating. <laughs> I, um, first of all, I mean, but I am, I am so stoked on your film. Uh, obviously, I've only seen, only seen the trailer and I, I haven't seen the film yet. It's not out yet. Yeah. Uh, but maybe someday you can come back and we can do a, me- a molecular toxicology episode. I would love because, to. I would love to. I would love to talk toxicology. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I wasn't being disingenuous. I really did not know uh, what that meant. I was just kind of like, Okay. Yeah, it's very, very, very few people are toxicologists. Yeah, but they, they do a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome, man. But I guess like maybe, maybe we can like before it's all over, we can like circle back and just say a couple more things about. Sure, the, yeah, the science, I love it. I love to. It's yeah. a fascinating <laughs> science, and uh, <laughs> I have I have toxicologized myself. Of yeah. life too, and I'd, I'd love to know what that 
was really <laughs> what I was really doing. <laughs> oh, good, good. Uh, everyone should. I, I believe everyone should. <laughs> like I was just saying, first of all, when I saw the trailer to your film, uh, Ace Explanation, uh, I was immediately like, hell yeah. Uh, I was. <laughs> oh, that's, and, that's so nice to hear. <laughs> no, uh, your, your publicist sent it to me and, and she was like, hey, what do you think about this? And I was like, I think I fucking love this and I want to talk to Alex. That's <laughs> great. Uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, I fortunately I have a co-producer that helps me uh, seem more professional than okay. I am. <laughs> and so the email did not read like that. It's, uh, <laughs> yes, let's, let's discuss. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I want to say like, it does, it looks, you know, it looks entertaining and it looks like a fun movie to watch. Yeah. We, hope, we, we try to make it hopefully fun. Yeah. yeah for sure. I, it comes across and for sure. Uh, not like in the sense like uh, what's like, uh, what's another good trailer I've seen recently? Uh, like Godzilla vs. King Kong. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, the trailer looks great, but I know that movie's going to probably <laughs> suck. <laughs> <laughs> you're watching at home, right? <laughs> but with your film, I, I was like, all right, I have a feeling this is going to deliver. Uh, but I want to walk, get away from like the fact that it's definitely entertaining, but like uh, more why I feel like it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, if it's cool, can I share like a quick anecdote? Uh, just oh, please, yeah. Uh, it's just about like how sex education was effectually worse than non-existent in in school for me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so yeah, <laughs> and uh, I just I have a story, and it's I just I just want to share it because this was in seventh grade, and I had a couple classmates, and they were in a sexual relationship, you know, and mm-hmm. you know we're young or whatever. It's that's I'm not going to discuss morality or anything like that, <laughs> but you know, and I, I think you and I are around the same age. Mm-hmm. So when we were kids in school, we didn't have smartphones. We couldn't just covertly text to each other and the kids mm-hmm. had to pass physical notes around the class if they wanted to talk. And obviously mm-hmm. these, these, this pair who had, you know, just recently discovered sex and the joy of it were passing notes to each other through the class. And the, and our, and this was in a science class too. Like we had a science teacher, so just to, I just want to use that to underline how absurdly non-existent sex ed was. The teacher got a hold of the note. She confiscated it. And then she read the note out loud to the entire oh, class to, like, I guess, sexually humiliate these uh, kids. And, it, I mean, it was so cringy. And I, I felt for them. But it, yeah, her, awful. I was like, I was, I was like, even at that age, and I think maybe I'm in a in seventh grade, what are you like 12, 13, you know, mm-hmm. like d- depends on your age or really, you know, when you got into school, but even at the age, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this bitch? What is she doing? <laughs> and I told that anecdote just to ask you, like, uh, did you have any like really cool teachers like that? <laughs> no, no, oh, no. Oh, really? Oh, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, uh, I was being my, my sex ed. My, my, my sex ed was, uh, um, also non-existent. I, I I don't know. Did did you have? Did, was it? Was did you have a, like a day or anything where like a gym teacher, uh, like talked to you about maybe maybe getting like hair, growing hair where you didn't were expecting you walking through puberty. <laughs> In my recollection, the the anecdote I just told you it was really honestly one of the That's most it. one of the the things where I was like. And at, and at that point in my life, in, in seventh grade is when I had first become very adversarial towards my teachers to begin with. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's not like I took, you know, but but what about all the kids that respected their teachers or, like, thought these authority figures were, like, this could have been harmful to more than just the children that she was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Literally humiliating for her own enjoyment. Uh, but no, I mean, uh, public, the public school system that I was in was 
not about teaching real sex ed. So, yeah. I mean, no, no one really is. It's maybe in California, they're starting a little bit, but I, I think, you know, sex ed, I think for many years, for decades was just around teaching kids not to get pregnant, right? The public health yeah. um, prerogative was just don't get pregnant. So let's just tell you don't have sex all year, get married. <laughs> uh, and that'll solve it, right? And then that'll when work. AIDS, when HIV AIDS came along, then it was like, don't have sex or else you'll die, right? So, and, and I don't want to shit all over the, those are very good public health messages. We don't want teen teenagers to be pregnant. We don't want them to get STDs, um, but it shields and it hides the, the overwhelming reasons why people have sex. And most people who have sex don't get pregnant and they don't get an STD. They have a great time, yeah. you know? And, and so the, the fact that, that we don't lead with that has always been a problem for me because it destroys all credibility uh, if we want to teach kids about sex because kids know, kids know from a very young age that their bodies feel good and it would feel good to rub a body against another body. So, so I think, I think we do a lot of damage if, if all kids here are all they, they think is comfortable to be talk about openly is to speak about sex in these very um, uh, repressed ways. Absolutely. (laughs) Honestly, uh, it's it's funny because you you, you kind of segued into like the next thing I was just gonna say like and it's I love when that happens I love the synchronicity that happens sometimes <laughs> occasionally and because uh, and really I just asked you that question because I know that your documentary is uh, it's very personal and yeah in a way uh, you are the subject of your own film yeah so and so once again this is not necessarily I'm not going into another anecdote but I do want to say like from my perspective and then I just want to maybe talk about your perspective and, and yeah it's just like. Uh, for instance, like in my case, you know, I, I started having sex in high school. Uh, and up until that point, you know, my sex education was primarily from pop culture or mm-hmm. uh, from my hooligan friends, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and which I won't say is not a fun way to learn about sex, but it's definitely not <laughs> the safest way. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and like, you know, I, like thinking about when, when I was 16 and going to buy a pregnancy test for the first time or, <laughs> like when I was when I was 17 and like going to get my first STD test, you know, mm-hmm. and that's when I was just like, oh, that's what condoms were for. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. But I, w- I would say that, you know, I was uh, I was very lucky to get through that time period and un- unscathed. Yeah. Know? But do you have any stories from growing up? And, you know, like you were just saying, you had a similar thing with like with your school system where they weren't teaching like. Growing up and having to figure out these things for yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just remember knowing, I mean, I think a very, you know, as I think it's true for most gay people that you kind of have this general attraction to men, but at puberty, it blows up, right? That you, then you become very acutely aware that, okay, I'm, I'm different. I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, my desires are not the same as I'm seeing on TV and movies and my friends are expressing. Um, and I knew that HIV AIDS was passed among semen and blood but I couldn't figure out how that happened. I was like, how do two men transmit semen and blood? Like, cause I just, the, the idea of anal sex was just not even, I couldn't comprehend it. No one ever talked to me about it. I was like, yeah. you can't put two dicks together and get, you know, it, it should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and just not having at all that understanding. And, and, and I think, I mean, especially for, for, for gay people, you know, the, I mean, I, I was never going to ask my parents, my parents weren't prepared to teach me about anal sex. And so, there are so many different, I mean, you look at it when you watch porn, you know, porn is the only place that you see depictions of anal sex and they don't go through the, the, the steps you need to make it a pleasurable, enjoyable experience. So it's just a lot of painful trial and error. 
I, I think, um, uh, yeah, we, 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 we just do end up doing a lot more harm by hiding these things from kids early on because you can't control what you can't control. You know, uh, I wasn't, I, I had a, my, my past guest of the, the episode before yours, my guest was uh, transgender uh, mm-hmm. and she was, you know, I, from, I think, what he, like, I think that uh, certain school systems are even worse are uh, in environments. And like, oh, yeah. I think you know, you're from San Francisco, right? I grew up in the South Bay, uh, San Jose area. Yeah, but yeah, Bay area. I mean, technically one of the coolest and most <laughs> sex positive cities in the world. And, and I was going in Nashville, and that's in the South and it's in Tennessee and it's very mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, these days you would just call it like a very MAGA uh, mm-hmm. land, but, but it? Nashville, Nashville itself is a, it's a very progressive mm-hmm. in, in ways it's progressive, but yeah. I got some complaints. We got people like Ben Shapiro trying to move over here because <laughs> oh, really? that's, yeah, they, people like him, a lot of these Fox news freaks are, uh, they're moving here because it's still a big city and it's still nice uh-huh. and there's nice restaurants but you can really mask off and be a I, piece I of see. shit like him. And yeah. uh, But no, but I was talking about uh, my guest, uh, Robin Banks mm-hmm. uh, from the last episode and she didn't come out until she was 23. Mm-hmm. And, but, but she was explaining the story of like, you know, she's from Ohio and from a small town in Ohio. And it was just like frightening, you know? And I, Oh yeah. I, I can't. Yeah. I, I definitely, I mean, you're right. I was lucky that I went to school at Berkeley. I live in the Bay Area. So uh, there were gay people in my life. My parents had gay friends. Uh, You know, there were tons of gay, uh, you know, resource centers. I like to joke, you know, you you can't come in public in San Francisco without hitting a great sex education resource. (laughs) So, so, um, yeah, I, I think I was lucky that I was in the Bay Area in that even though my public school wasn't really preparing me, there were other people who were also, I just want to give, I always do this whenever San Francisco comes up because shout out to that city. It's just, whenever I'm there, <laughs> I take a deep breath and I'm just like, what a nice place to be. <laughs> uh, I've only ever been there for the purposes of, uh, you know, I've, I grew up being a skateboarder, you know, uh-huh. and it's a, a lifelong thing. You know, I don't, yeah, I'm getting old now and it hurts, but you uh-huh. know, I'm, I'm not going to quit. It's just kind of like, you know, why quit doing anything that you love? Uh, but that's, do, do you go to that skateboard competition that's like at a middle school in the in the like I, I live right next to gun because it gun you're talking, I, about, I'm, uh, I'm, you're talking about third and army okay 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 no no it's a different but, there, but oh, every year there oh they're, i'm sorry I'm, i misunderstood yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's a different uh i don't live near there but there is a skateboarding competition every year and the every year they do something big at this high school next next I, I would come to your city for uh, a few play, uh a place called Hubba Hideout. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. No, no, no. It's uh, it's internationally famous. It's they've uh, deconstructed it now. It's no longer skatable, but it's oh. like it was one of the most uh, famous spots in the world. Hmm. Uh, but then Third and Army still is um, still in existence. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's like it's part of the the Port Authority might be in charge of it. I'm not entirely okay. sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, that but, makes sense. But at some point they decided because the 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 skateboarders would swarm to it. You know, just like flies and at some point they finally said you guys can have this and it, i guess it became the unofficial skate park of your city okay okay i didn't know that <laughs> i'd, I'd recommend not... just visiting sometimes to check it out yeah. you'll, you'll see a lot of pros <laughs> you don't have to go to like an x games <laughs> <laughs> nice uh but man i guess moving away from that i guess i would have to say like just talking more like because when you did when you did this film a lot of what I think people are struggling with, and I guess I'll just ask it as a question rather than mm-hmm. make a statement here. And uh, it's 
why do you think so many people still have such a difficult time having a straightforward conversation about sexuality? Yeah, I, th I think a lot about this. I, I mean, it's, I mean, to be honest, the, where we are now with sex and sexuality, you know, 20 years ago, I could never have imagined, right? I, I think we're learning so much. People are so much more open and out. I mean, in a very sad way, HIV AIDS forced so many people out of the closet, right? They, 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 there was yeah. this pressing need. And so that really accelerated things, I think. And so, um, but I think for millennia before that, right? Um, sex was just something you didn't talk about. It, it's, you know, sexual repression was a tool we needed to keep societies in check, you know? And so, you know, if you start to talk openly about it, you, you would be slapped down. And, and I think hopefully what I'm hoping is that uh, we're in a period now where, you know, I'm, I'm actually very excited to see what happens once COVID, we start, all these restrictions get lifted. It's going to be a kind of a new sexual revolution. We're all pent up so much that, you know, we don't give a fuck anymore about what other people think and say we just want to connect. So I'm hoping that that, that happens. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I think a good example is my parents who are liberal, who um, have no problem with people, with people being gay, but, you know, their parents never grew up talking about it. Their parents never grew up talking about it. And if you don't have those tools really early on, you learn very quickly that this is something weird. And I, I think a great example is um, through one of the experts in the film, Lori Batito, she talks about how I think a very common experience for parents is that a child naturally at a very young age will explore their body, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, they'll touch their penis, their clitoris, their anus, and it'll feel good. Yeah. And they'll keep doing it. And the parents' reaction, not based out of any malice necessarily, but just discomfort, will tell, oh, stop that. Oh, don't do that. Yeah. Or they'll do something like if you're naming body parts, nose, elbow, and they'll skip the genitals, you know? And so yeah. kids very early on realize, oh, there's something weird about this part of my body. There's something we don't talk about. It's wrong. And I think it's just, it's almost part of the air we breathe, you know, that it's changing very quickly, which, which is so great to see, but it's just been so for so long, it's just been caked into to how we function. I have to say, I agree entirely that we are in an era where things are changing in a very positive way. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of pushback. There's a lot of yeah, very, still a long way to go, but yeah, there's moving a in the right direction. Hopefully, I mean, I'm, I hate to bring this up like I often do on my podcast, but there's like there is technically a fascist uprising happening in this country. That, <laughs> oh yeah, and it can't be ignored. And I, I I bring it up just because it's true. It, it's really there, and yeah, I'm not going to yeah. ignore it. I'm not going to say it's not it's, there. It's scary. And but I uh, and I almost. I, you know, and I will stop talking about fascists and like just you know, just give me three <laughs> seconds. But I, I want to say that I do believe a lot of uh, and like oh, there's a lot of science that backs this up. So I'm not just mm -hmm. talking to my ass uh, that a lot of what makes fascism work and why it's uh, functional is it's the uh, redirection of sexuality. Something more. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing that like uh, with Mussolini or Hitler, what, what they would do is they like they would fetishize the military and they would mm -hmm. and so and they would take a lot of what they need is they need angry young men with no sexual outlet outlet yeah and to uh redirect that mentality into the fascism and that's how that's how you get these little militias and these armies there's a bunch of angry fucking dudes that aren't. i, I know i mean <laughs> i'm kind of joking but kind of not in that if we all just let go of all these things and learned how to fuck better 
I really do think that's a key piece to world peace. <laughs> like that, like that, 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 that in the connection, the, the, in the best sex and the most spiritually connected sex in, in, in that validation you get when you have sex, good sex, um, it, you, you can, you can be transformed, you know? And I, and I think, and I think, um, we should talk about that. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I don't want to like harken back again to my past guests, but I do, I just want to say it one more time because, you know, there are so many people that are marginalized mm. and, you know, and like you were saying, like life's very hard. And oftentimes when they do find their, their place and a lot oftentimes, that is just finding your place with sexuality or finding your peace or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And Robin was talking about when she first like found the community of other transgender women. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I had never felt that happy or like, and she has a family, like, you know, that she's blood related oh. to, but like, yeah. she's like, this is like, the, this is like, the, I felt like I was truly embraced into a family and it was, uh, it's, it's powerful. I mean, I think, you know, I used to look back at gay pride parades, for example, and, and from the outside, you look and it's very sexualized, right? Like oh, gratuitous in many, in many cases, you know, it's like guys in thongs or assless chaps and they're pretty much naked dancing down the middle of the street. And I think as a young self-hating gay, I was like, why do they have to be like that? Why is, what's the point of that? They're just flaunting in, you know, a lot of the old kind of, you know, conservative arguments against gay people. But once I came out and started entering those spaces, I mean, what does it say about a culture or a community if two naked gay guys can walk down the middle of your biggest street and be celebrated? You know, I think that creates such a safe community for everyone. You know, you know, straight people can see that and be like, oh, that's okay. You know, I can start to open up my own self, my own thoughts. My, you know, it's, it's, it creates a space for everyone, I think, to be more in touch with who they are, who they want to be, and, and give people so many more models of healthy, happy ways of being. Uh, so, so I think it is, you know, I, 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 some of my happiest moments are, you know, shirtless in a stadium with 10,000 other gay guys dancing to Madonna, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's powerful. It's, it's, it makes you feel this validation that, that so often it is hard to find in, in, in the outside of the world. I mean, uh, in a way that could, that could even be, uh, you could harken back to, um, the 1960s uh in the festival in the anti-vietnam war festivals and mm-hmm. and the and when people were in in that era and it's like that i know that was definitely still a very very conservative era even among the hippies mm-hmm. but the the expression of love and sexuality for that and that was a power that, that movement was so powerful it ended it ended a, a unjust war i mean yeah i mean the summer of love i think was so uh such a catalyst for so many social change. And, and, and to be honest, with if it weren't for HIV AIDS, I think we would be so much further now. I think that was such a huge backlash to all of the great, you know, tremendous strides we were making at the time. Um, and I'm hoping now that, that, that as, you know, there's people are, you know, I think people who are HIV positive are a lot more open about that status and know that the, the, the shame, the stigma, we've, we've hopefully, at least in San Francisco, you know, we, 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 we don't see that as a negative and so, yeah, I, I think I think the more the more connected, pleasurable, spiritual sex we can all be having with as many people as we want to is is something I'm for. Absolutely. Hey, and a uh, big shout out to Ronald Reagan for uh, doing everything he possibly could <laughs> to uh, harm as many people as he possibly could out of nothing but a place of pure hatred. And I, I, honestly, I a lot of times like when uh, when these. Uh, 
politicians and conservatives do things, you know, like it goes, it's, it's money in their pocket. Like, uh, uh well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to deny climate change because it's money in my pocket, but with Ronald Reagan and the AIDS epidemic, it almost seems like it was just truly pure hate. Like, like he didn't even get money. Yeah. <laughs> I could yeah, be wrong. Definitely, I to... definitely misunderstanding. I mean, I think minorities, gay people, I mean, George W. Bush used gay people as, as a foil to, for political gain. I think it's easy when people don't understand and they're scared. You know, it's, it's a great, it's a great political tool. And in many ways, you know, I, I, I feel for a lot of conservatives, especially those who come from an evangelical background, that, that I think maybe are, are unable to process a lot of these very complicated feelings around sex and sexuality. You know, you know I, I think I've come to the point now where I see them much more with sad and pit, sadness and, and, and pity. You know, you know I, I think if you would ask me 20 years ago, would I take a pill to be straight? Yes. And, uh, but now I think I, I've reached a level of empathy, compassion, love, I never thought possible. And I, and I contribute that to, to having to go through the coming out process, navigating the world as a gay person. And I've made such beautiful relationships that I don't know would be possible otherwise. And so, yeah, I, I think, I think hopefully people who maybe come from a conservative upbringing, come from a deeply, I'll say conservative Christian background, um, can with with the movie can kind of start to see maybe you know maybe those values are fine but maybe they're not working for them and the only way we can figure that is if we just start talking about it absolutely and i i just want to jump back a, a few minutes when we were talking about <clears throat> uh pride parades and how yeah fucking cool they are and <laughs> i remember my, my very first one so like we were talking about our upbringings uh i was very fortunate uh, uh i was raised by like a single mom or whatever and she's a very progressive lady you know, and she taught me to be fucking cool. And, but, you know, but I had, uh, I had never moved, I'd never been to a pride parade until I was, I lived in Washington, DC. It was the first time I moved, you know, okay. away. And it was my mm -hmm. first time living, uh, kind of on my own or whatever. But, uh, mm -hmm. my first time I went to a pride parade was in Washington, DC and Washington, DC, first of all, throws down. They have a great one. They have a great pride. Yeah. Oh, it was, mm -hmm. but, but it, uh, I remember I got there and I was like, this is the coolest parade I've ever seen in my life. And like, and I didn't even like parades really that much. But I was like, I was like, this is what a parade should be. Like, this is mm -hmm. so fun. You know, since then, like whenever I have an opportunity, I don't miss a pride parade or a pride festival. Uh, here in Nashville, we have a absolutely spectacular uh, pride festival. I would love to go to Nashville pride. That, that sounds it, like it a lot so of fun. fun. I remember the first Nashville pride festival I went to, I don't want to, I mean, I should digress soon, but I just have to say a few <laughs> fun things. Uh, they had, and like you were saying, like uh, the overt sexuality and the, just like the genuine mm -hmm. love, like let's have mm -hmm. fun. And they had, uh, you know, like, you know what, like the mechanical bull thing, yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah. see it, like honky tonks. So uh -huh. they, had a, they had a mechanical bull set up and a bunch of dudes with uh, cowboy hats and like cowboy mm -hmm. boots and like, Thongs and just like, yeah. like <laughs> ripped, and I was like, I want to ride the mechanical ball, this, this is, you know. Uh, and uh, I, I just I said that to say this, and it was a, it was something I was gonna write in, in some of my notes for questions for you, and I decided against it. But actually, now that we're here, I'm just gonna bring <laughs> it up, it. and it's and it's about meme, like memes and meme culture, mm -hmm. and how I feel I feel like memes are very educational. Like memes are memes are funny, obviously, but 
they're a great opportunity right now for, to educate people about uh, language and understanding. And, mm-hmm. uh, but there is one, and it was, <clears throat> it's sad, uh, but it's also happy. And it's, uh, uh, do, it's you, know, Char- you know, Charlottesville. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and uh, the fir- one of the first, like, fascist things, and they, they murdered a woman. It was very, very dark mm-hmm. and very sad. And they had yeah. all the, you know, the Proud Boys and the neo-Nazis carrying their tiki torches and yeah. destroying the tiki torch <laughs> economy. Uh, but someone made a meme, and uh, it was made out of the, the Snickers commercials, where, like, you got someone who's having a shitty day, and you give them a Snickers, and then they're happy. And they <laughs> someone made a beautiful meme. So it's it's all the the proud boys with their tiki torches and they're screaming and they look like shit. And then <laughs> it's like angry, eat a Snickers and they eat the Snickers. And then it shows like the most awesome pride parade you've ever seen like, <laughs> at all. Everyone's smiling. Everyone looks great. Everyone looks just like fantastic. <laughs> That's one of my favorite memes of all time. I don't know like if you want to share any memes like on your head that you think you're like, uh, relevant to our conversation. I don't know about relevant to our conversation, but I definitely get what you're saying in terms of, you know, there, there's something to be said for, um, you know, kind of how, how little attention we have and how quickly something like that can really bring uh, bring feelings that I never knew I had out and help explain emotions in, in different ways of like being gay or what it's like to be Asian or whatever it is. It's, it's always great to see a community put something out up there and, and, you, and you can really quickly understand feel like you're part of a tribe or if someone understands you through a meme for sure. Absolutely. And I, I guess like, it's not just memes and it's social media and there right now, there's a lot of backlash against social media for in some ways it deserves it, but in some ways not. And <laughs> yeah, it's uh, tricky. It's tricky. It, it needs to be regulated, I think is the answer, but, but <laughs> one, we'll see. one thing that, that I find very positive that I have noticed is that people put their pronouns mm-hmm. and, and their bios, uh, the top, and it's just, it's become very common. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what a cool ass thing to, to you know, cause it just kind of came out of nowhere. Like to me, like I was like, mm-hmm. everyone's going to the trouble to do that because it helps the people that are marginalized with their pronouns. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think the, I, I definitely think gender is something that we're, we really are just scratching the surface on when it comes to, what it actually means, you know, you know, I wish we had had time to, to, to delve into gender more in the documentary, but that would require its own documentary on itself by itself. But I think, you know, when it comes to gender roles, especially around sex, I think there still is this sense. And I think it's perpetuated by porn that men have to be a certain way with sex. Women have to be a certain way, dominant, submissive. There's all these, uh, difficult emotions people work through about what it means you mean as a person who you are as a person how you receive there's a lot of shame around that tied to your gender and I, and I think the more we can just start to tease that apart and be open about it and 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 understand that there are no two people are the same so why why should you expect that everyone has sex in the same way hopefully I, I, it looks like it's changing pretty quickly you know I think that uh if you if you went back, you'd say that uh, if you were to try to add the gender conversation to your documentary, it would be the same thing as me trying to add molecular toxicology to this <laughs> podcast episode. It's just it's too big of a subject. Yeah, the sex is big enough. Sex yeah, is, is big, big enough. enough. Yeah. <laughs> Hold up, it's time for an ad. Longtime listeners of the show will know that I have a serious outstanding beef with Guy Fieri, and since he didn't accept my apology in episode twenty three. 
we've been sending out competing pilots to try and outperform his existing TV shows. This one is our latest. It's called Gas Station Glizzies, where we head to gas stations all across America to find out firsthand just how tasty their hot dogs can be. The audio you're about to hear is raw footage. It's emotional. It's real. And me and my producer probably get into it a little bit too much. But we're here above all else to make art. And I have a feeling that this is going to be the biggest new show on the Food Channel this summer. Gas Station Glizzies. I'm at a Circle K in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yum, yum. Chomp, chomp. Swallow, swallow. This tastes great. So many toppings to choose from. I'm in the Shell Station in Carson City, Nevada. Are those cheese dogs? I'm in Tampa, Florida. I'm in Dover, Delaware. Relish, mustard, ketchup, sauerkraut. We're here at a 7-Eleven in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, uh. I feel fucking sick. Keep going. I feel fucking sick. I don't want to eat any more fucking hot dogs. Okay, okay. Do you need some of drink? Look, I don't know why. Give some Mountain Dew, some milk, why? anything, people, please. Why am I pissed at Guy Fieri? I don't know why I'm pissed at Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri said he hates you. You have to come back well, and do better. I mean, I hate him too. He is it's a he's a bitch. Television. It's for right, the camera. Right. <clears throat> Okay, right. viewers at right. home, right, let me, let a million dollars. Let me breathe, let me breathe. Okay. Let's get Let's ready to rock and roll. Gas station glizzies. Fuck you, Guy Fieri. What, you think you're better than me? <laughs> Coming Smile. soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm, smi I'm, smi I'm smiling. I'm smiling. I'm sparkling. Black and mold. Coming soon to the summer. Fuck. 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 Coming soon this summer to the Food Channel. Are you happy? Okay, yeah. cut. All right. And now back to the interview. I guess, uh, oh, uh, let's just go ahead and talk about like a little bit just because uh, you were uh, a journalist and a reporter. Also, yeah. I guess you might not know this about me. I went to uh, journalism school. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But did, you know you special, did you specialize in any particular medium or topic? Uh, print. Okay. Yeah, at a time when that was literally just dying, I was like, I, I, "It's so sad. It's so sad." My friends, so few of my friends, including myself included, are, are, are employed through journalism these days. Yeah, you know? it was. It was basically like when I, I. It was the timing of it was so absurd because it was like, uh, I was like, "Yes, journalism is what I want to do. Uh, I want to. I don't want to be on. I don't want to be a reporter on the news or like mm -hmm. I don't want to be like a anchor man. You know, I mm -hmm, wanted to be." Mm -hmm. Uh, I wanted to be a newspaper man. That's like kind mm -hmm. of what I wanted to do. Uh, but like during the course of while I was in college, all the newspapers died. <laughs> yeah, they're all dead. I know uh, it's sad. But at the same time, you know what? There's a lot of great new mediums coming out all the time. And yeah, I hope yeah. I hope they can figure out a business model that that still gets gets good local journalism. Especially, I I, I feel like a lot of local politicians are getting away with a lot of shit because because no one's covering them. Yeah, and yeah. You know, I miss reading the news. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, but uh, when you were when I mean, you were a reporter. Obviously, we talked about that in your bio. But were you doing many stories on like sex related topics while you were a reporter, or is that not really what a you little were? bit? I mean, the, a big reason why I made the movies because the stories I wanted to tell just weren't being weren't being picked up. Um, I did a little bit around. 
um, gay youth, like how gay youth and gay teens are trying to, to organize and try to uh, find community and make things better for bullying in schools. But, but no, no, sex and drugs usually, unless it was a really good hook, um, you know, I think many, many organizations still kind of stay away from it unless they're, unless you're going the, all the opposite way of being totally salacious, you know? Oh yeah. You know, if you're like hard copy or whatever it is, but, but, um, but yeah, so, so I, part of this, this movie is really part, um, an effort on my part to tell the stories that I wasn't able to tell, um, while, while I was working as a reporter. Uh, <laughs> my next question, you technically answered it, but I feel like maybe we'll go a little, a little bit more in depth. And okay. Yeah. Just to say like, uh to say that transitioning from journalists to documentarian or mm-hmm. filmmaker, it's, it's not a crazy leap, obviously. Mm-hmm. A, yeah. A lot of the same skills. Yeah. Yeah. A, a journalist is going to can easily mm-hmm. jump to filmmaker mm-hmm. and make documentaries. Uh, but for you, and I think you answered this a little bit, but maybe like, let's go a little deeper. Yeah. Uh, what was the catalyst for that transition? And I know you said I wasn't getting to tell the stories I want to tell, but can you maybe kind of, like how, did it all, how did it go all the way into this feature-length documentary film? So what, what I was doing to kind of um, satiate this desire I had to talk about sex and drug education was I was just throwing stuff on YouTube. So I would do little, you know, three to five minute videos about some drug or sex education topic. And I was getting a little bit of a, of a following, very small. Um, but I started to realize as I was talking more experts, talking more people, there, there is, I'm, I'm clearly trying to get something out, a story I want to tell, a story that's probably been percolating in my brain since I hit puberty, right? It's like, how do I articulate these feelings and thoughts mm-hmm. and emotions around sex and sexuality in a way that someone who hasn't gone through my experience could understand? Because that's what we all want. We all just want to be understood. And so I think documentary film is or film in general, video in general, is one of the most effective ways to get people to see another point of view, to be in someone else's shoes. I mean, just think of the movies, TV, whatever you've seen, and you've lived the experience of a spy, of a transgender woman, you know, of a male person, whatever, whatever it is. Um, And you can do that in 90 minutes. And so it became clear that a documentary maybe was what I was really wanting to do, but maybe didn't have the guts to. I guess like uh, the film's done. It's coming out this month. Uh, yes. So very, very fortunate for all the listeners that are listening. Uh, you know, let's check it out. I mean, I, yeah, go, I to a, go, go to a sexplanation.com and you can get tickets. It's streaming online this month. Yeah. yeah go to sexplanation.com. <laughs> but no, I, uh, but I do true. Honestly, like that was, I mean, this is why this whole, uh, interview happened is i uh-huh. i was sold off your trailer so did you make the trailer yourself or i i did i did yeah. well i i i was part of an amazing team that make that trailer yes <laughs> i was going to say that uh you know making a great trailer is an art unto itself and yeah it's hard it's way harder than i thought it would be <laughs> but no yeah, but, I, but I have a great partner his name is leonardo neri uh he he co-wrote the film uh, and he's just instrumental in everything we do. So, yeah. All right. Thank uh, you, shout out uh, Leonardo. I'm sorry. I missed the last name. Leonardo Neri. Yeah. Shout out Leonardo Neri, uh, co-writer <laughs> of this film. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and also, I uh, I had promised your uh, publicist that I was going to 
make sure that I was going to, but don't worry. At the end, I'm, I'm going to tag you and everything. We're like, okay, great. Great. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also have Mark. I also have Mark's orders from, from my publicist to make sure I get some things out too. So, <laughs> but I believe in this film. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally going to do what I have to do to <laughs> Thank you. see it. Uh, but I guess talking about the film, uh, a explanation looks like uh, from what I've seen and just like also from what I believe, what it would, what it would be like to, I was looking at that and I'd be like, oh, I'd love to do something like that. And it looks, it looks very fun. And yeah. I was, you know, do you have like, maybe, could you share me like one story, maybe two stories of on that on set uh, of maybe some of the funniest or, or just like most fun experiences that you had on set making that film? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully not, not spoiling too much. And I don't know if it's, fun <laughs> per se <laughs> oh, okay. I, should, I should rephrase uh but i definitely if, if there's something that was that was hilariously funny but i know i don't want to throw out yeah but, you know, no, 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 no. but but basically there's a point in the film where um and i i think there's, there's a huge section of the film about masturbation right it's it's masturbation is one of those acts that we all do but none of us talk about you know and, and it's probably it is the most universal sexual act uh, and none of us talk about how great masturbators we are, right? Yeah. <laughs> and or how great masturbation is to your daily life, right? Which, which, you like no one. I, I will, I, I will admit that. it. It's an amazing part of my my day, right? I wouldn't say so. no one, but I would say like <laughs> that's true. Of, that's true. Like, don't hop on Twitter and be like, "Yo, I yeah. off. <laughs> considering the amount of masturbation that's going on, I feel like we should be talking about it more." Um, yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> but but or it's just normalizing right like at least you know the, the idea that we don't tell kids or you know like people masturbate it's totally fine right i i for so long thought masturbation was a secret thing that we no one should ever share uh but but yeah so so basically in the film we we go to uh talk to some orgasm researchers it's, it's amazing because pe- the the, un- the amount we understand about sex on a scientific level is isn't is, is tiny you know you know i think a scientist explained it to me as you know it's not even in its infancy it's in its embryonic stage we don't know the very basics of human pleasure uh which is crazy considering how much of our behavior our life uh you know literal life is dependent on sex um that dude uh built the taj mahal yeah yeah we we do so much for (laughs) for sex um but we we understand so little about it um, and so what he was trying to recruit people to do is basically jack off in an MRI machine. Uh, and so, so that, 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 was, uh, that was quite a day to actually get through, get into an MRI machine and jack off in front of a bunch of people. Yeah, I know some dudes that would be like totally <laughs> down for that experiment. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it was uh, one of the least erotic experiences I've had because um, you're, you're just under so much pressure to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, no, that was a that was a day on set that I will remember every second of for sure. That's um, fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and and like um, you know, the, the, most of the things that stick with me in the film are just moments talking to experts in which they explain sex and sexuality. They define sex and sexuality on a level that I've never heard before that just blew my mind in terms of how much repression I still deal with on a day-to-day basis. You know, that, that the, 
the the amount of that I just instinctually hide, repress, don't share um, about sex, my, my own personal sex sexuality desires is just it's, it's it, I think it'll be a process I'll have to deal with for the rest of my life. Um, but just hearing some of these experts you know, and, and most of the, the best interview I had was with the sex educator, you know, and she's called in to talk to four and five year olds, you know, to how do you start to just talk about, you know, and we're not talking about penis vagina penetration, but they're talking about um, good touch, bad touch. They're talking about your body feels good. Um, you know, what's private, what's not private, you know, the, these very basic ideas. Um, but just hearing how, you know, sex is just a part of almost every human interaction we have. As you know, we, you know, when you walk through the room, she has this great quote, when you walk through the room, you're expressing your sexual self. You know, it, it is always there. There's no part of your life in which you can 100% shut off the sexual side of yourself. But we pretend like it, we, you can, you know. And, and it's, it's true, you know. There how, I don't know how much of, I think there's probably, there, there are definitely parts where you, don't want to fully express your sexual self for sure, but how much I pretend like it's something is not happening or I pretend like um, that, that uh, there's not a sexual component to an interaction when there clearly is. And so I, I think, um, yeah, the, the, the process of do, it's, it's interesting doing the movie. Um, I think when I started, it was so much about like, I'm going to show the world why we should all be fucking and it should be this great amazing like you should just let go and be cool with everything you know like and and now it's funny i think i i i hold sex um in a weird way like almost at a spiritual level like i, I actually revere sex so much more as this amazing conduit to get to know a person in a way that you know and know you know you, you to have sex with someone is to know them in a way that so few people get to know a person. Um, and it's such a special, amazing thing in that in a weird way, I don't think I'm more prude in any way, or I don't think I'm more, um, like that, that, that I'm, that I'm less sexual, but I'm more selective if that makes sense in a way I, I, I've come around almost to the other side where I think we should all be, thinking about sex as this beautiful, amazing thing we get to do with each other. And what's, why should we stop talking about it? It, 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 it makes no sense to me. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. that answer <laughs> was amazing. And uh, <laughs> I love everything you said. There's, there's not a single thing you said that I, uh, that I disagree with or, or whatever. And uh, as a matter of fact, I do feel like when you're saying, um, it, when you gather more knowledge about something that you are already passionate about and then you transform, like it transforms the way you think about that thing. Oh yeah. And oh, you yeah. Have to find yourself in a position you didn't start in. And yeah. that's, that's what, I mean, that's, that's something I think we should all pursue in life. I mean, that's just, if, if yeah. you, if you, if you love something, don't let it go. Learn, <laughs> learn about it. <laughs> yeah. And, and we, we, you know, one of the common themes in the movie is, is for some reason, we've all convinced ourselves that to keep children safe, we need to give them less information. Yeah. And yeah. in no, almost no other part of our lives would we do that. And, and we need to start thinking critically about 
the fact that, and I, and I, I want to walk a fine line because this is a sensitive topic, but you know, I think uh, you have to think of human beings as sexual from conception to death, right? We are sexual beings at all aspects of our lives and it might be uncomfortable. It might be scary. It might be infuriating all the emotions around sex, but to not talk about it, to, to hide it, to pretend like it doesn't exist makes things worse. It does not make things better. And uh, <clears throat> I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to anyway. And <laughs> I'm going to say that I think a lot of uh, the sexual repression stuff, uh, I think it comes from people that are trying to, how, how to say this, try to have power over other people. Oh, it totally is. It's, it's a great tool, I, I think, um, the Judeo-Christian ethic, I think they realize very quickly if you can control person's sexuality, you can control their life. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to make sure private property is passed on to only uh, your children, you make sure that men own women. You know, I think it's very, it's very cut and dry. It's, it's, it's you know, sex, sex is power. If you can control someone's sexuality, you have power over them. I guess this is topical. And I, I mean, I, I don't normally bring up this kind of shit because I don't give a fuck about the royal family in england <laughs> it's 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 so it's just out there right now with the <laughs> did you watch the interview i i, I, I watched the interview i'm like it sounds it, my, my husband was like it sounds like they got out of a cult it sounds like they <laughs> it sounds exactly <laughs> like like it sounds like the leo remini scientology documentary like they got out it's like a cult it's crazy it's it's i mean that's that's insane to me i cannot wrap my head around them i could not have said it better myself uh (laughs) just for the listeners real quick anybody that's not really you know because a lot of people haven't been interested in this uh (laughs) prince harry of the royal family married Mm -hmm. Meghan markle of Mm -hmm. america who is not a white uh british person in Mm -hmm. their little thing and the level of racism and weird selective breeding things they've got going on that's all coming yeah. to light right now it's so bizarre and and disturbing and it just it, it, like what we just said it's all about power hoarding mm-hmm. wealth it's not it has nothing to, it's you know, it's exactly what, what we were just trying to say it's that the repression of other people's sexuality has nothing to do with your moral standpoint. It's, it's yeah, it's it, it's it's tied so much into good and bad, moral and moral. And I, I don't I don't want to say that the values of say the Christian faith or you know we go to we go to Utah in in the film to talk to a bunch of Mormons. I, I don't want to disparage those values if they work for them. You know, if if you are happy with them, by all means, you know. Uh, do you, you know, yeah. but, but I, I think I, I question whether or not ultimately a lot of the sexual values that, that we've lived with are actually good for our well-being and our mental health, especially when, you know, there are, there's never been a time in human history where people can have as much autonomy in their life as there is now. But the flip side of that is a lot of the education, a lot of the information, a lot of the research hasn't caught up. So we're still kind of, we're kind of, we're dealing with this brave new world, but we don't have the tools yet to manage it. And I think a lot of hurt and heartache come from that. So hopefully this film can help them kind of um, start to figure things out on their own. And as much as we're talking about like uh, modern day and, you know, uh, you're a very educated man. I consider myself 
semi-educated enough to be able to, <laughs> enough to I, I can talk to smart people even though I <laughs> that's how I feel I, I feel like I'm just smart enough to talk to smart people I'm just smart enough to talk to a smart person <laughs> and not always humiliate myself but I do want to say like we are talking about you know uh, our, our modern day and and what we're living through now and what you were just saying and I totally respect that I, I respect everyone's religion and I'm not out here talking shit about religions per se but I will say that a lot of the like we could say things like well Perhaps these values were uh, useful back in your fiefdom in right, right, <laughs> seven hundred years. Ago. Yeah, but I don't believe that's correct. I mean, are you familiar with a uh, prima nocti? No, no. Okay, well, it's a it's first night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, first night. It's it's a uh, you you know the movie Braveheart with uh, Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. They actually addressed that in that film, and it's a it's an old practice, and it's and it was completely accepted by the church. It's like when you get married, they have they, you have when, to watch them fuck or something. When you get married, if you're a peasant or a, a uh-huh. lower level, if uh, you know knight or something, the uh, the lord of your land gets to fuck your wife first. Oh, oh god. <laughs> the, okay, so yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, first yeah, night, yeah, so yeah. like. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I'm just saying different times, different times. Hey, that's, that was accepted by the bishops and like, yeah. you know, so, so I, I'm sorry to go back into, into ancient history to say that, but I'm, yeah, but I mean, I mean, when I'm feeling especially depressed about the state of the world, about our sexual values, morality, about how far we still have to go. It's always helpful to look back, I feel like, and, and realize we have come a long way. <laughs> and to just keep moving forward. It might not feel like you're, you're moving forward, but you are. Yeah. So that, 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 yeah. I'm, I, I feel like, I mean, recently in the past couple of years, I've, I've been feeling like, as a society, we're moving forward almost like monthly. Like almost every month. I, uh, yeah, it's, it's accelerating progress. much quicker than I could ever have imagined as a child. Yeah. Well, Alex, I do have to say this. It's time for the lightning round. I don't know okay. if you've ever heard this podcast before. Uh, at the uh, end of every podcast, we do a lightning round where I ask you. Okay. Uh, I'm nervous. Very, okay, let's do it. Very quickly. You have to answer them. Uh, you can't think. You just got a okay. reaction. <laughs> I, I, I might not succeed because I'm definitely an overthinker, but yeah, let, let's do it. That's that's fine. I've, I've had people that couldn't could not. There, I've had a couple episodes where we had, a, we had to edit because the lightning round ended up being like, 45 minutes i don't know <laughs> and i know you're a very busy man and i know you got a lot going on and uh so I, I think i wrote some uh some some very very important things with the lightning round that i think people all right are. let's do it all right okay so we have learned that molecular toxicology is a thing <laughs> i have i learned that today. i'm sure i'm sure there's a ton of people out there that were like damn dog you're fucking stupid but anyway <clears throat> Is there such a thing as molecular toxic masculinity? <laughs> mm, no, I, my initial reaction is no, no, not not on the molecular level. No, that is a learned behavior. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was actually hoping you would uh, go at it like that. So yeah, that's not nature. That's nurture. Yeah, that is nurture. Yeah, you were taught to be. Actually, you're not yeah. born that way, man. You can yeah. <laughs> you can stop being that way. Yeah. There's a there's an interesting thing with some of these. Uh, uh, like, uh, Aryan Brotherhood, uh, neo-Nazi type guys that have been like rehabilitated and uh-huh. they go out and like, oh yeah, oh yeah. They have a whole thing where they go out and they try to reach other young Nazis and try to like mm-hmm. tell them that this is not the path they need to be on. It's a yeah, patron. they're doing great work. And despair and it's a 
almost certainly a path to prison. So yeah. don't fuck with it. Are <laughs> 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 right, we kicking ass? All right. Uh, all right. First of all, I'm not. I'm not king shaming anyone. Okay. Anything. I never okay. would. I never will. Uh-huh. But here's my question: uh-huh. In your research, uh, what would you say is like the most inconvenient kink you've come across? Inconvenient. Well, some of them. Some of them are very inconvenient. <laughs> you mean just like uncomfortable? <laughs> I would, I'd say. I would say like some are cumbersome. Uh, some require like. Uh, you know, I, I think the ones. I think the ones personally. Um, anything that takes a lot of time and patience and care and presence is always difficult for me. So I don't know if you've heard of sounding. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that to <laughs> me requires a level of, and for listeners who don't understand that is like sticking a, basically like a metal rod through your urethra. So through your penis. And, um, I've seen people do this and, um, it is very difficult for me to, to watch because it happens so slowly and it to be so careful. Uh, I, I, I can't, I, it, it it feels very inconvenient to me, put it that way. <laughs> Alex, I have to share a quick, a quick story because we talked about this earlier, and I was talking about like uh, our, you know, our growing up and our experiences, uh-huh. like you know, being high school and whatever. Uh, and I told you, like, you know, I had to go get an SCD test when I was seventeen. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, I was fine or whatever, but it was you know a little bit of a scare. Uh, but and I think things have changed a little bit now. I don't know if it's quite as, as invasive as it used to be for uh, for men, but what they basically had to do is like take a q-tip a and like a q yeah a q-tip mm-hmm. and, and stick it into your uh urethra and swap yeah. around and that's how they could like you know that's what they had to do for several diseases at the time yeah. the and, technology is better now so people listeners the technology is better now. you can just you can just urinate now and they can get get it now yeah, yeah I've, <laughs> I've heard that so it's a lot better now i've, yeah. I've been but like, i've also gone through a urethral swab and it was horrible yeah change my ways a little bit i'm getting a lot less std tests <laughs> or uh anyway sorry that's that's a lot of yeah. sharing but oh please uh, we should talk more about it <laughs> i did want to say though like and I have, I consider myself as someone that has a high tolerance for pain, uh, mm-hmm. goes from skateboard and like breaking little things in my body, mm-hmm. snapping some tendons, you know, but, uh, at, at that time, and I was like determined not to show any like thing. And when it was uh-huh. a nurse that did it, I was like, I was already uncomfortable. I was like, Oh man, this nurse, <laughs> my wiener and she stuck a tip in there. And I was like, and you know what, it, you know what it is? It's not pain. It's, it's something, uh, other than pain and it's, more it's like nails on a chalk bar that, that, that's yeah, it was like that. it was like, uh, like yeah um, it's just incredibly yeah. uncomfortable yeah <laughs> in a way other than pain like i can deal with a lot of pain not this thing so much but i just went through it and the funny thing was at the clinic when i went and got that test uh this this huge grown man that came out you know he's like you know just gigantic dude you know he looked like it you know like the rock you know in my mind when i was a kid <laughs> and i go in there and i'm a skinny little skateboarder you know and it was so funny because the, the nurse made me feel so much better after it mm-hmm. she's like hey i want to tell you something uh that giant man that left before you he fainted <laughs> when i did this it'll do that yeah that's the funny floor, and i was like hey, well i beat him <laughs> all right so uh 
I guess we'll go ahead. You heard it here first. Sounding is the most inconvenient game. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that to be a quite quite an inconvenience. In Yo, day. if it's what you want to do, do what you want to do, man. Yeah, yeah. If you have the patience for it, yeah. uh, all hats off to you. Yeah. It's your world. Do what you want to do. That's <laughs> I'm not king shaming. I was just kind of wondering, like, what might be the most inconvenient? All right. Here's a very important question. Okay. Also, by the way, you're killing it on the lightning round. Okay, good. <laughs> you're getting, getting all the points, and I have a strong feeling you're going to win. All right. So if you have a sex dream and the person in it is someone that in real life, you would be like, no, I would mm -hmm. never. Mm -hmm. Is that something to be concerned about? or? What? <laughs> I, I would say no. I, I think I think... In many ways, I've had many thoughts that are actions I would never consider doing. And I think we actually had this conversation with a therapist, a sex therapist, where I just kind of go through all my like, what I consider shameful fantasies, you know, I, I think, you know, I think it's very common to have, a, say, a rape fantasy, I think it's very common to have, a, I mean, I watch, I'll, I'll admit, I watch a lot of stepdad porn, you know, like, kind of ethically um, <laughs> uh, questionable porn. But I have no intention at all of, of, you know, acting out on those things. I think your brain, for for better or worse, will think every thought possible at some point or another. So so I think you have to just be okay with it. And if you want to talk to someone about it, you should. You know, if you think it's a problem, if it's something you actually do want to do and you think it's unhealthy, talk to someone. I think everyone should talk to some sort of cognitive behavioral therapist at one point in their life. Talk about all the things that they're ashamed about. Uh, and they'll, they'll definitely help you. Um, manage any any scary thoughts that, that you'll eventually realize are just thoughts and actually mean very little all right you're here first guys my dream last night was not weird <laughs> it was totally normal it was actually probably very normal yeah, I, look i can't control my dreamscape i mean you can't no i, I could I, I used to actually be very into lucid dreaming but i you can lose a dream that's i wish i had the patience to, to lucid dream that's I, crazy i uh i made a, at a practice in my life for uh many yeah. years to like get very uh adept at it and do it very often uh, but I lost a lot of sleep over it. You yeah. actually, oh, you did. You oh, that makes sleep. sense. You don't get as much restful sleep. Yeah. And it's not always pleasant. And yeah. you have to deal with another thing called sleep paralysis. It's very common with lucid dreamers where um, your mind wakes up before your body does. And then you're just kind of. Yes. I know. I've, I've experienced that a few times and that is terrifying. Yeah. So if, if you become a lucid dreamer, it's it's one of the, uh, it's one of the oh, issues. I didn't know that. With. It's just, it's just That's kind interesting. of far for the course, man. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the most important question okay <laughs> and that is what is the coolest vehicle to have sex in the coolest vehicle to have sex in i mean i i mean i would say probably the biggest one so i would want like an rv you know somewhere where you can really get the full range of motion i think car sex in general is always hampered because um your your body parts your soft fleshy body parts are cramming into a hard uh, uh you know handle or wheel or you know some something and so so can i i mean can, can i can i share what my answer would be Just yeah please if maybe it, it expands your imagination a little bit here <laughs> uh, and uh my answer was going to be helicopter so <laughs> oh I, I would be terrified <laughs> well, you ever, well, uh, maybe if it was like have you ever been in a helicopter i have been in a helicopter okay so they are um, kind of scary i guess <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm actually very I need things to be very uh controlled and I need a lot of 
room to take rest and <laughs> um, but but if it were a moving RV, that could be fun. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I just I was thinking like you know like I've had sex in the car, I've been in a helicopter flight, but what if I put those together? <laughs> That'd be like some excitement. <laughs> It'd be very exciting. Yes, I, I'm sure you'd remember it for a long time for sure. All right, but you're, you're gonna stick with RV. You're not gonna say like like fighter jet or uh no no I'm, I'm boring in that and i'm boring in that sense. <laughs> I, I do not need to be moving at fast speeds in in in, in uh in, in large vehicles yes something that that's a uh, that a uh, retiree would want to have sex in is is basically my my jam <laughs> yeah no doubt rb <laughs> uh, even like the thing i just said like even for like some awesome sex i don't think i would get in a submarine because like I'm claustrophobic <laughs> and <laughs> <a> drowning. <laughs> All right, Alex, man, I I have to ask these. Are, actually, these are the really, really important questions because we have okay, to talk about your film. We have to, but we have to let everyone know how to check you out. So, you know what, you can do it better than me. Alex, yeah. tell everyone how to find you, how to find your film, how to find your YouTube's, how to find all those amazing stuff you've done. Yeah. So the the beauty about the film festival season this year. It's sad we won't be able to meet in person, but is that it's open to everyone in the world. So if you go to sexplation.com, we'll be in film festivals at least until June, maybe longer. Uh, but if you go to sexplation.com, you'll be able to see the links to buy tickets. You'll be able to stream it right at home. Uh, we Our world premiere is March 20th and will be con- almost continuously available throughout all of April. Um, so yeah, so you can check us out there and all information you need will be on our website all right and that's sexplanation.com yes also uh on instagram uh a sexplanation yeah yeah all right so it's a it's a fun it's a fun play on words of course the obvious pun of you know um explanation about sex but it's also a sex plan for the nation so it's kind of like about american sex and that kind of stuff yeah cool well i just want to let everyone know uh at this film festival i will be there too virtually so amazing watching this together you know so yeah. everybody hit it up it's gonna be fantastic uh alex thank you so much for being on the show homie thank you for having me thank you for listening thanks for listening to my views are my own if you'd like to contact me you can hit me up at my views are my own.com or on instagram at my views are my own underscore podcast or on twitter at my views underscore podcast thanks for listening